Uh, we'll hear argument now, number 921239, uh, J.E.B. versus T.B. Mr. Porter. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the ruling which the petitioner requests in this case is a determination that gender-based peremptory jury challenges are prohibited under the heightened scrutiny of the 14th Amendment, such that the procedures established in Batson versus Kentucky would apply in that context also. The facts which are relevant to the review of this case reveal that from a panel of 33 potential jurors, the state of Alabama in this cause struck nine, uh, used nine of its strikes to strike men from the uh, jury and used one of its strikes to strike a female. The petitioner uh, used a peremptory strike to strike a male from the jury, resulting in an all-female panel to try this case which resulted in a determination in favor of the state of paternity in this action. The position of the petitioner in this case is based upon three factors. The first is that the same principle which prohibits gender-based exclusion from the jury venire also excludes gender-based elimination or peremptory strikes in the formation of the petty jury. Secondly, under the heightened scrutiny of the Equal Protection Clause applicable to gender discrimination, the state's interest in limiting further restrictions on the exercise of peremptory challenges is not significant enough to overcome the invidious harm caused by gender-based peremptory challenges. And finally, the harm to the petitioner, the excluded jurors, and society as a whole is substantially similar in the use of gender-based peremptory challenges as that uh, we find from race-based peremptory challenges. The fact that this panel ended up being all female simply highlights the injury to the entire community when a group, such as males or females, were were eliminated eliminated from the jury panel because of group bias or unwarranted stereotyping. And when uh, that stereotyping becomes the basis for the exclusion of otherwise qualified jurors from the judicial process. Well, do you think that men at large in this particular community really felt bad uh, because male jurors had been stricken from this, this panel? Mr. Chief Justice, I think at the time, obviously, uh, the community as a whole was not cognizant of the problem. The, uh, the excluded jurors certainly felt excluded because there were only ten of them to start with. Well, supposing that the, the local newspaper had run a story saying that these male jurors had been excluded, do you think the community at large or the community of men would have felt very badly about it? Mr. Chief Justice, I believe that there would have been a perception that this was not fair for a panel of all one gender, whether it be female or male, to try any particular case. I think that would have been the perception in the community. Not necessarily that men would have felt bad, but the, the community would have felt that the system was not necessarily fair. So the community would have felt differently than men would have felt about it. Is that your answer? I think men, I would agree that men would have felt excluded in this particular case. And I think in any particular case, if uh, they were excluded, simply because they were males. But men as a class historically have not been excluded from jury service. So uh, why should an equal protection plea on behalf of men succeed? Justice Ginsburg, men... I agree that men have not been excluded from jury service, 
but men have become, under the Equal Protection Clause, have been a uh, classification which have received protection from gender-based discrimination. So our position is that the same principle which applies to gender-based discrimination in general should apply to males and to females uh, in this particular context. Well, why couldn't this be regarded as a kind of affirmative action for women to make up for all the years when Alabama totally excluded them from jury service? I'm not saying that that for some reason could not be, but in this context, it is certainly not an affirmative action uh, because it would also apply to females. It is a, uh, in this case, men were excluded. The same invidious harm would have occurred if women had been excluded from the jury panel. So therefore, it is not an affirmative action type of uh, of process which is allowed by the state of Alabama. Mr. Porter, you you speak of unwarranted stereotyping. Yes, sir. I I take that to mean that there is nothing to the notion that if you're a defendant in a rape case, you're likely to be worse off with with an all-female jury. And if you're a defendant in a paternity case, you're not likely to be worse off with an all-female jury. You, You don't... Is that warranted stereotyping or unwarranted stereotyping, or is it simply not true? Justice Scalia, I, I would say that it is unwarranted because that while men and women are not the same, obviously, and do not have necessarily the same outlooks, but they do have uh, the same ability to be unbiased, uh, to become unbiased uh, jurors in a particular case. Oh, the same ability. They, 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 they can both fight against it to the same degree as every human being has to, but they, but they begin from different standing points on certain issues such as those too, don't you think? Are you, are you telling me that, that a defense counsel is, un, is unreasonable in attempting to strike women in, in cases of those type, in thinking that his client would be better off with a male jury? Justice Scalia, my response is that, and our position is, that simply because a woman is excluded uh, from the jury because of her gender uh, should be unwarranted and unreasonable. Now, if it goes further than that... No, well, well, I don't say it again. Our position is that the... Are you saying that there's nothing to the fact that, 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 that a woman juror and a man juror, at least in certain type of cases, may have a different outlook and hence be more likely to uh, tend towards the defense or the prosecution side? You, 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 are you saying there is nothing to that? Justice Clay, I'm not saying there's nothing to that. However, the... You're saying there is something to it, but counsel shouldn't be able to uh, take that into account in their peremptories. I think that you can consider that. I don't think that our position is that you should not be able to exclude a male or a female simply because of their gender. There are uh, studies that goes both ways. Uh, that, that, that females Where, are more is, is it clear that there's something to most stereotypes, that most stereotypes are indeed accurate for a good part of the class? Justice Ginsburg, stereotypes are stereotypes, and they may, in fact, be applicable to a certain percentage of a particular group, such as 60% of the women may feel one way about a subject. But there are 40% that do not feel the same way. And if you allow gender-based peremptory challenges, that 40% may be excluded simply because of the overall perception that women feel a certain way. That's what peremptory challenges are all about. It's a playing of the odds. It's always a playing of the odds. No, no, no counsel who exercises a peremptory challenge thinks that every woman or every male man or every person of whatever uh, classification that he eliminates is, is going to have a certain view, but he's playing the odds. Isn't that what peremptory challenges are about? Peremptory challenges traditionally have, uh, have been allowed and become a, a part of our judicial system because uh, a counsel, trial counsel decides at the moment during the trial that a certain juror may or may not be biased 
in this particular case. And so, therefore, peremptories are allowed. It is our position that it is the preconceived notion, the preconceived stereotyping, that all women feel a certain way, and so, therefore, they should be excluded because all women uh, feel a certain way uh, from a jury. Isn't your argument that certain stereotyping, whatever its historical basis, in fact, may be, simply should not be recognized as tolerable under the Equal Protection Clause. Don't you have a principal argument as opposed to a merely fact argument? Yes, sir, Justice Souter, uh, we do. And that is, in its probably its uh, finest form or the simplest form, our argument that stereotyping for the exclusion of, of jurors should not be allowed. Your argument is that you want a precedent that applies to race to be extended to sex. How far do you carry it? What other groups? And if you're, you're saying if race, then sex. Well, how about age, religion, national origin? Justice Ginsburg, in this particular case, I think the court need only go as far as gender. However, I think it would be rational to apply the same principles to heightened scrutiny under the 14th Amendment, which would apply then to religion, national origin, and illegitimacy. The examples you gave of age and, and maybe other classifications, which have not risen. But does one, one inquire of uh, each juror about the legitimacy of the juror's birth? I mean. Practically not. I have never seen in 15 years of practice, I've never seen anyone inquire of someone's legitimacy. However, if, if that were... Or indeed national origin. No, ma'am. I've never seen anybody inquire of national origin. However... There's perhaps the difference in race and sex is you don't have to ask. Correct. It is clear from looking at a person, their race and their sex. And so, therefore, there is that connection so that it is something that you can readily observe. Counsel, suppose uh, an attorney were faced with a jury of all one gender, all male, all female. Uh, could the attorney then strike in order to increase diversity? Justice Kennedy, in the race arena, where uh, counsel have in the past stricken for that cause. It has not been allowed. It has been determined that that is a race-based peremptory challenge. It has not been allowed. I would apply the same principle in this uh, instance. So that uh, in order that use of peremptory challenges to obtain a, uh, a better mix, suppose, uh, of the jury should not be allowed in that case. Mr. So the, the stereotype applies to the, ch uh, to the challenge, but not to the evaluation of the jury as it's composed? The, I would agree that the, uh, the, the objection would be to the individual challenge uh, of the juror. But you're, isn't it your assumption in answering Justice Kennedy's question that there is no reason to infer that there was stereotyping or exclusion based on stereotyping uh, in composing the panel from which his all-male jury or all-female jury uh, was was picked, isn't, isn't that true? Yes, sir. That would be a part of it before you would ever get which, to... Which is, in fact, I, I presume, an unrealistic assumption, uh, yes, uh, or would be in most cases. It would be, yes, sir. Yeah. That before you would get to that point, you would have the opportunity to make the, uh, the challenge. Mr. Porter, the male and female classes are roughly the same size, I guess. It's yes, not sir. always true in the racial or, or other contexts. Why isn't an adequate protection if, if one side thinks the male is the more favorable juror and the other thinks the female, give them each the same number of peremptories and they'll cancel each other out? Justice Stevens, as to that panel, that, uh, or as to the group of the jurors and the ability of counsel to obtain the correct mix, that may be uh, the right answer, the way to resolve it. But as to the individual juror who is excluded or to the community as a whole, 
Uh, the allowance of gender-based peremptories uh, damages, as the yeah, court found in that. damage if one side thinks they don't like men and the other side thinks they don't like women? Doesn't that cancel it out? I mean, neither group is being uh, treated less favorably than the other group under that hypothesis. Justice Stevens, the entire group, I would agree, would not be... Uh, Both men and women right. would be insulted because they're not of the opposite right. sex. And so it would be the insulting of that particular juror or the exclusion, uh, which would be objectionable. Although you have standing because of the, the client that you represent, which you're asserting then is the equal protection right of the juror, not the In part. I, I think under Batson and, and the, the, um, uh, the cases that follow, uh, certainly my client would have the, the standing to raise the objection of the excluded jurors. I think that would be correct. Yes. But isn't that the heart of your argument? It is. I think that's the overall, the, the more broad argument. And the uh, more important, probably, harm is the harm to the community, to society, and to the excluded jurors who basically do not have the opportunity to raise the objection themselves. Could I ask, Mr. Porter, what, 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 is that the total list of categories that you want this applied to? What is it now? Uh, sex, um, religion, uh, what else? National origin. <clears throat> and National origin. Uh, 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 sexual preference? No, sir. Not, no, not, uh, not that. W why not? Because sexual preference, like age and disability, have not been raised by this court to the heightened level of, of scrutiny under the 14th Amendment. Oh, I, uh, well, we could do that, though. If the court chose to at some sure. point in time, then, then you could. Mr. are you going to, uh, in, in your system where we have these groups, uh, allow the preliminary questioning of the potential jurors in the colloquy that we just had, uh, you observed that there's something about race and sex that's not like any other class. You don't have to ask. Right. But in the suggestions that you're now making, uh, the notion that w well, religion is not written on someone's forehead, so we would first have to quiz the potential jurors about that. Yes, Same thing with national origin. Yes, that, that's not, isn't that just a disturbing thought? It is a uh, somewhat invasion of their privacy, but trial counsel every day inquires of jurors on personal matters. Uh, it, it is important in some cases to make those inquiries. Uh, as you go back as far back as Lewis, mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. versus Lewis, the, the court uh, there uh, explained how important the use of the uh, voir dire was. If, if you're the defendant in a drunken driving case, you, you can strike jurors for, I guess, uh, because you don't like the color of their hair, but you could not strike a juror because he's a Methodist and therefore a teetotaler. You, 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 you would have to accept, if it turned out that way, a jury of, of 12, uh, uh, 12 Methodists in a drunken driving case, right? No, sir. You would not? Not necessarily. My point is that you could not strike him simply because he was a Methodist. If he was a, a oh, that's why I'm striking him. I, I, I think understand. This, this this fellow probably has very strong views against drinking, and, and is more likely to come down hard on someone uh, uh, who's who's accused of drunken driving than uh, than some other jury. That's precisely why I want to strike him. It is You're saying the, that's no good. It is the probably that gives me a problem with that. Uh, but all all peremptories are based on probably. Our position would be that if that Methodist professed to be a teetotaler, and so therefore had an individual conviction against the consumption of alcohol, that would be a proper peremptory strike. No, but a, a teetotaler is just a person who doesn't himself uh, drink alcohol. Right. He doesn't necessarily uh, believe that it, it's morally wrong for, for himself and others to do it. 
If but anyway, you, you just would not let him, not let him stri uh, strike Methodists, right? But what could he strike? People with, with blonde hair, a postman? Uh, if a postman uh, had, uh, there would be nothing wrong with striking postmen good. as a class. Uh, he'll be happy to hear that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Mr. Porter, uh, as a litigator, do you believe in the peremptory challenge system? Justice Blackman, I believe, as a litigator, that the peremptory challenge system certainly has a place within our jury selection process. It is, but it must be bound by certain um, constitutional provisions, and we think one of those is the 14th Amendment. Do you think Benson was wrong? No, sir, I do not. I think it, it, it achieved the purpose uh, for which it was rendered. Well, Mr. Porter, uh, since Batson, which I guess was seven years ago, yes, sir. we've seen a number of cases here in which uh, Batson issues have been raised because of the, ch uh, of the peremptories directed at minorities of blacks or Hispanics. Uh, under you, if, if your view prevails, a person making any sort of a, of a peremptory challenge in a, in a proceeding is just really uh, running a great risk because uh, if the peremptory challenge is going to be either to a man or to a woman and therefore arguable on, on appeal that this, this violated the Equal Protection Clause. Mr. Chief Justice, in, in any situation, the first step that trial counsel is going to have to show is making out a prima facie case that, that gender has been used uh, intentionally but, to strike. But you know, if, you're talking, if you're talking about minority members of a, of a jury panel, yes, I should think it would be much easier to make out a case like that because there are not apt to be many of them on the panel. Whereas in the case of a, a women or men members, they're probably going to be 50-50. By and large, there will be. However, there are uh, many counties in Alabama and probably in other counties across the nation in which the racial mix is 50-50 or 60-40, very close. So though the Batson still applies in those cases. Even if we accepted your, your argument that sex should be treated like race, um, wouldn't it be appropriate in this case to follow another precedent that was set 27 years ago in Alabama, and that is not to make this, this uh, dramatic change retroactive? Do you remember the old case of White against Crook when uh, the Alabama legislature was given till the next section to put women on juries? I think the problem with that approach would be that uh, the, the harm in this case, in this particular case, uh, the harm, the men who were eliminated have already been damaged. Uh, and, and therefore other men uh, with... Well, that was certainly so in the days when the Alabama law was um, that the jury role would include the names of all male citizens of yes, the county, and yet that was made prospective only. The relief was made prospective only. Why isn't that appropriate here? Because the damage has occurred already, and it needs to be remedied, and it will continue to uh, uh, cause damage until it is remedied. Thank you, Mr. Porter. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, Mr. Dreven, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. For nearly two decades, the Court has held that government action taken on the basis of gender is subject to heightened constitutional scrutiny. In light of that heightened scrutiny, 
The discriminatory use of peremptory challenges to remove a juror on the basis of gender violates the Constitution. The line of cases beginning with this Court's decision in Batson has made it clear that the use of peremptory challenges for racially invidious purposes is unconstitutional. Such challenges harm not only the parties, but also the excluded jurors and the community as a whole. The same is true with respect to gender-based strikes. An individual juror removed on the basis of gender is frequently the victim of an outmoded stereotype. Jury manuals, for example, have instructed litigants to remove women because of a belief that they are too sympathetic or are governed by emotion, and the case law reflects that this has happened. And you know better, uh, so you, you want to protect defense counsel from himself, right? No, I, I believe Justice Scalia... It seems to me he has his client's interest more to heart than, uh, than, than the government does. And, and if, if he thinks that, uh, that what you call unwarranted stereotypes are indeed warranted, why not let him take the chance? Well, the same argument could be... And if it's unwarranted, it'll be its own punishment. I think the same argument could be made about racially-based stereotypes or ethnically-based stereotypes or stereotypes based on a person's religion and nothing more. And the reason... 14th Amendment and a 14th Amendment that can account for, for our, our, our view of racially-based uh, stereotypes. We're not allowed to stereotype for that. There's, there's no, such, uh, no such amendment uh, changing historical practices with respect to strikes on the basis of sex or on the basis of a lot of other characteristics. Well, this Court has determined that the Equal Protection Clause not only applies to sex-based classifications, but that they are entitled to heightened scrutiny because there has been a history of discrimination and a history that reflects the misuse of gender-based stereotypes as a basis for government action. And it's that Court's determination in the general mainstream of equal protection law that we rely on in urging the extension of Batson from race-based challenges to gender-based oh, Mr. challenges. Mr. Rebin, if you, if you prevail here, if the petitioner prevails, and uh, not only gender-based peremptory strikes, but uh, those based on ethnic origin and religion and so forth are similarly barred. Uh, what's left of the peremptory challenge system, if anything? I think what's left of it, Justice O'Connor, postman. is <laughs> the important class of postmen, and in addition, mm. uh, classes that are based similarly on occupation and all classes that really have not been elevated well, to heightened review. strikes me that before you even get to that, you're going to be accused as a lawyer, a trial lawyer, exercising peremptories, which of necessity have to be exercised against either women or men of having made a sex-based uh, peremptory strike. How do you think, as a practical matter, uh, the trial judge should deal with it? Suppose the lawyer strikes, has five peremptory strikes, and uses three of them to strike women. Now, uh, is that open to challenge, and is the trial judge going to have to resolve that? The trial judge will have the discretion to determine whether there's a prima facie case. The lower courts have held in the context of Batson that uh, simply an argument from numbers alone does not necessarily establish a prima facie case. There may be other factors that give rise. But it might. It might. And if it does, the litigant who has exercised the strikes will be called upon to give a gender-neutral explanation for the strikes, just as he or she has to give a race-neutral explanation. And this procedure, though it may have seemed cumbersome at the time that Batson was adopted to those who opposed the rule, has proved to be perfectly workable in the federal system 
in terms of race, and in those jurisdictions... Well, but of course, what do you have there? You, you, you have a much smaller pool of uh, uh, minority jurors against which this can operate. So um, it strikes me that it's much easier to establish some kind of a, a misuse. But when you have equal numbers of men and women, it's, it seems that it might be, as a practical matter, very difficult to administer this for the trial judge. There may be some cases that call for difficult determinations at the margins. I don't think that across the board it Mr. has Stephen, been are difficult. we talking entirely hypothetically? Is it not so that Batson is the rule with respect to sex in some federal jurisdictions? Yes, Justice Ginsburg. The Ninth Circuit has adopted a gender-based Batson rule, as have the states of New York and California and Massachusetts, and, the, and as well six other states. And those are large state systems as well as the Ninth Circuit, which is a major federal system, and it has not proven to be administratively burdensome or difficult to implement. Mr. Well, Mr. Dream, unless you, you extend it to the other logical categories, which it ought to be extended to if it extends to, uh, if it extends to sex. I guess there's nothing to worry about if you can find a postman who is neither male, female, has no religion and, uh, and no ethnic background. Then, then you would not have to worry about a challenge. You can go ahead and strike. So long as the litigant relies on a basis for the challenge, which is not in a category that's protected by heightened scrutiny, in which we are particularly concerned about the invidious use of stereotypes, in which the juror's rights would be violated were he subject to exclusion. Is, is it just the juror's rights? Uh, is the integrity of the fact-finding process, the accuracy of the jury's determination, enhanced or retarded by your position, in your view? I'm not sure that the actual accuracy of the fact-finding process is necessarily affected one way or the other, so long as impartial jurors are actually seated. What is affected is the community's perception and confidence in the integrity of the process. Well, do you think the stereotypes uh, may then uh, in enhance the accuracy of the jury? No, I don't think that the stereotypes would in any way enhance it. I think that once you have reduced... But you wouldn't go so far as to say they retard it? Not necessarily. But I do think that the community itself loses confidence in the integrity of the process when biased selection procedures have been used to impanel the fact finder. And I don't believe that that's different depending on whether the bias that's used in the selection process is racial bias, ethnic bias, or gender bias. Well, this goes back to Justice Souter's question to the previous counsel as to what the real evil is here. If stereotypes have some value uh, for the trial practitioner, in selecting the jury, then, then, then maybe we should draw the line here and, uh, and, and allow those, those peremptory challenges. I think the line should be drawn, Justice Kennedy, where this court has drawn it in other equal protection contexts where stereotyping was used to justify laws. Where the stereotype is one based on gender, such as to invoke heightened constitutional scrutiny because of suspicion about historical misuse, it's appropriate to ban that use of stereotyping from the courtroom where there has been much less concern about the invidious use of stereotyping or group-based assumptions, such as strikes based on occupation, residence, age, or a variety of other factors that this court has, has been quite deferential to. But, when but isn't the purpose of, a, of a, abolishing the stereotype from the courtroom in, in order to confirm the duty of the individual juror to set aside his or her own preconceptions? That is certainly part of it, but there is a balancing going on here, and the peremptory challenge system has, has been thought to uh, serve other purposes in the jury selection process. And the states may have some leeway to make determinations that group-based exclusions are permissible, 
where there is no particular uh, reason to be suspicious about the nature of those exclusions. But in this context, where gender-based stereotyping has been subject to heightened review because of suspicion about misuse, where the community is injured and where the excluded juror also uh, would find it um, to be insulting, to be removed solely on the basis of a stereotyped assumption, then in those situations, the Equal Protection Clause does mandate the eradication of this form of discrimination. Uh, The ruling in this case, Justice Ginsburg, should be applied retroactively, just as this Court applied the rulings in Batson and the successor Batson cases retroactively. There is no reason to depart from the the determination made in that line of cases that that the ruling should apply both to the parties in the case. By retroactive, you mean to cases pending? To cases pending. That's precisely correct, Justice Stevens. I was going to add that point. Uh, We do not believe, in answer to uh, Chief Justice Rehnquist's question, that the court should make an exception to a gender-based rule that would permit strikes uh, when a party is attempting to even up or balance the jury. First of all, we think that that rule would be susceptible to a great deal of misuse. Um, It would become extremely... Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dreeben. Uh, Ms. Brasfield, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, the solution that the defendant... The petitioner has offered in this case, I think, causes a great many more problems than it actually fixes. Uh, in this particular case, there uh, it was a very unusual venire. And under the circumstances, I do not think it can be said that either the defendant, the individual jurors, or the community at large was harmed. Uh, Usually, you will have a fairly well-divided venari. And in this particular case, there were 23 women and 10 men uh, for whom that had to be brought down to a 12-person jury. Uh, The defendant had 11 strikes. The state had 10. That's what Alabama allows in a criminal case? Or is this a civil case? This is a civil case completely, Your Honor. You're allowed 10 or 11 strikes in a civil case? They use a struck jury method, which uh, is 24, a minimum of 24 are required uh, from which to start the striking down to the number of jurors that are going to be needed. Uh, if you start with 24 and one side has 10 and the other side has 11. No, no, no. You have however many it takes to reduce the venari to the number of jurors who are actually needed for the trial. And that would be 12 in this uh, case? In this case, it was 12. There were no alternates needed for this case. Uh, so it just happened that there were a large number of strikes to be used in this case. The uh, defendant used his first strike against a woman. The state used its first strike against a man. Well, let, let me inquire once more into the mechanics. If I'm, the the veneer was 33 people. Yes, sir. And, and uh, you, where, where did the number 24 come from? The statute requires that a minimum of 24 be available. Usually more than that are called because there are, there's never any way of knowing how many will be struck for cause prior to the striking of the actual jury. Oh, thank you. Uh, 
The state used its fourth strike to strike a woman, but the defendant continued to use his strikes, I mean, to strike a man, but the defendant continued to use his to strike women. The actual numbers struck were 11 women and 10 men. Uh, Those jurors who were struck, those 11 women and 10 men, did not leave the courtroom thinking that they had been excluded from the jury system or that they could never sit on a jury. Both men and women regularly sit on juries throughout this country. Uh, And part of that is the very fact that men and women are not minorities. They are both fairly equal in numbers. So that if your panel is drawn randomly, usually you will have a jury panel that is fairly equal in numbers. Uh, If there is some reason why the litigants feel like it's to their advantage to strike one gender rather than the other one, uh, then just in this case, the other uh, other litigant is probably going to be striking the other gender. This was a rare but totally random drawing that produced an an unbalanced venari. But in most cases, uh, this would not happen. Now, uh, and the fact is that they could have just as well been two, two men to every woman. It just happened that it was two women to every man in this case. Uh, in addition, are you suggesting that there was not proof that the elimination was indeed gender-based? I, uh, I'm not suggesting that there would not have been a prima facie case which would have caused a challenge if Batson had been applied to this case. That's, I thought that that was a given for us at this level. Yes, I, I think at this point the fact that there would be a prima facie case if either side had decided to challenge. The state had as much of a challenge against uh, the defendant for having stricken uh, 10 women with his 11 strikes. Ms. Braswell, Mike uh, Brasfield, my question to you, we've been talking about stereotyping and how they are often true for most people in the class, but it was my impression that the evil or mischief that has underlied every decision of this court in the sex discrimination equal protection field is just that stereotyping, the notion that women are this way and men are that way. Is that not so? Uh, In my position, uh, I think that 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 is correct. That is what uh, Batson was based on, but Batson has been held to be uniquely a result of the racial situation that was existing in this country, where blacks were still being kept off of juries in case after case after case, and the Swain test that was in place was unworkable to prove that this was happening. It's our position How long that were women kept off juries in Alabama? Until 1966. Uh, they were under the statute... Uh, A jury was made up of all males. But at this point, uh, they are not being kept off of juries. The the venari lists are drawn from the uh, driver's license registration lists and are drawn at... But you're arguing that there's nothing wrong with the council continuing to exclude them solely on the basis of their gender. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm I'm saying... Yes, yes, you are. You're saying it's perfectly constitutional. 
I'm, I'm saying, I'm not, well, that's what I mean. It, I think it is constitutional. I do not think that it is uh, necessarily to either party's advantage. I think they may very well be wrong, just as they may be wrong in thinking that the postman is going to be less likely to decide on their case. But Are you asking that Batson be overruled? Not at all, sir. I think there was a, a you, very... You accept, you accept Batson? Yes, but I think that Batson is unique to race and the situation that was continuing to exist in that blacks were being kept out of the system, which is not happening to men in particular in this case or women. I guess the court has painted itself into a bit of a corner on this matter because it has held that uh, the Batson rule um, applies because of the right of the juror, that it is the juror's own rights that are at stake here, and that uh, the attorney for the litigant can uh, raise that challenge in the case. Now, if that's so, then how, how, how would you not apply that rule to a gender-based strike? I don't think what's that it, really at stake is the right of the juror. If the court's theory had been different, uh, your argument might be easier. But well, how, how can you make a, a reasonable argument in light of the court's uh, jurisprudence? Well, I think that no particular juror has a right to sit on any particular case. Uh, and in this situation, there were... Twelve women who sat on the jury, but there were eleven women who didn't, and they were struck. Uh, as I said, there would have been a prima facie case against that yes, at the time. Yes, a particular too. juror has a right uh, to have the state not act to exclude them on the basis of their gender, right? That uh, has not been said by this court up until now. Uh, all of the applications of Batson at this point have been to race. Yes, but based on the right of the juror. Then I think you would have to come also to the right of the postman uh, and the right of anybody else not to be struck. And uh, if we are going to reach this, uh, I think this is one of the problems that extending Batson beyond the area of race would cause. I, it's I, not a right not to be struck. It's a right not to be stricken according to your race. Or, in this case, the argument is gender. No one's contending that you have a right not to be subjected to a challenge. But, but if it it's goes... It's the, it's the reason for the challenge that's the point, of the, that the point of the inquiry here. But I think that the same argument, if that is going to be used to extend Batson, would also apply to any other... Stereotypical reason. Mr. Baskill, isn't it true that there's no other group in the history of this country that was excluded from jury service as long as women? Not even the racial classifications lasted into, in fact, it was 1967 in Alabama. The decision was 66, but the change was 67. Justice Ginsburg, it is true that only blacks and women have been under the law uh, denied the right, and that actually black men were allowed to sit on juries prior to women in Alabama. So wouldn't we put, be putting the peremptory challenge back where it was in the days when it was never exercised on the basis of either race 
or sex, but there weren't any women or any minorities in the pool to begin with. So all this talk about how you're shrinking the peremptories, you're just putting it back the way it was in the bad old days. But, but they are there, and they are there in fairly equal numbers. And since we're in the position of applying it to both men and women, uh, there is always the chance that, and particularly where you have a large black population too, the, the problem is extended and, and made more necessary that you have a reason for every strike in the event that you inadvertently uh, fall into a situation that makes you subject to a challenge. Uh, I suppose that every citizen has a right uh, not only not to be, if, if we follow this logic, not only not to be stricken for that citizen's race, religion, sex, and whatever, but also has a right not to be stricken for any irrational reason, I suppose, uh, if, if, if that logic is correct. Uh, wouldn't that be so? I think that... So I guess that every erroneous uh, uh, basis for uh, exercising peremptories would be unconstitutional, like if in fact postmen are surprisingly no different from everybody else. Uh, striking a postman because he's a postman would be unconstitutional, right? I think that that argument could be extended in that direction. Or yes. just striking a juror because you don't like the look in his eye. That would be unconstitutional. I, I think that we would certainly be in a position where we couldn't use striking a jury because we don't like the look in his eye uh, as our non-racial, non-gender-based reason because well, it would be considered a sham. You could draw the line short of the, that, Joey, because uh, the, the court has held the Equal Protection Clause uh, requires, if not strict scrutiny, at least heightened scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, based on differences between uh, men and women. And it, it, it is never said the same about people who's had a certain look in their eye. <laughs> That's correct, Your Honor. But or about letter carriers. <laughs> that is also correct. And while in Alabama, if you were having a Batson challenge, uh, and you were trying to justify your strike for a non-racial reason or a non-gender-based reason, I think that saying, Your Honor, I didn't like the look in his eye, would not pass muster. Uh, I think that you would have to show a better reason than that, or it would be considered a sham. You could say that about every person you had struck. Uh, so I think that you would be required to extend your voir dire and spend much more time. Now, I think that the judicial system would be loaded up with time spent uh, questioning jurors to be sure that you'd be able to give a, an acceptable reason if you were called upon to do so. I think Spresso, uh, it's a question I, I asked earlier to Mr. Dreeben, I think. Fasten is in effect with respect to sex in the Ninth Circuit and in some states. Is there any evidence of what you, you said you think? Uh, do we, do we, is there any evidence that there has, in fact, been these intractable problems? Uh, I am not familiar with whether those problems have been found. Now, the, Mr. Dreeben has said that there is no evidence that there are problems. I'm not, also not sure that there are, not, uh, there are any studies showing there are not problems. But now in Alabama, although Alabama has heartily endorsed 
all of its courts have endorsed Batson as it applies to race and in each of its extensions to uh, uh, civil litigation and against defendants as well as plaintiffs. Uh, but at the same time, there were over 40 appellate uh, opinions issued by the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals last year that had to address Batson issues that were raised on appeal. And I, I also think that uh, the Ninth Circuit adopted its rule, as I understand, only in 1992, last year. So it might be too soon to decide whether there have been any problems or not. Chief Justice Rehnquist, I agree with that. Uh, I also uh, think that if Batson were extended to gender, there is a clear indication that it would cause problems in Alabama and in many states. I can't believe that Alabama is unique uh, in struggling with the practical application of Batson, uh, even as it applies to race. As, and uh, I think that having it to apply to gender also would increase the problems tremendously. Uh, in uh, paternity cases, for instance, which is what I see regularly, uh, Alabama adjudicated 8,000 paternities last year. Most of these trials take no more than half a day, uh, even when you're selecting a jury. Uh, they're quickly handled. They have Usually they have some expert testimony and some uh, HLA or DNA tests, and uh, they are fairly rapidly decided. It, you can, it can be envisioned that you'd spend twice as long on the Vordari and the jury selection as you would actually trying the cases. In addition, I think there would be a lot greater chance for uh, an allegation of error in those cases so that uh, the, the appeal system would, would be overloaded as well with well, bats and issues. May I ask you, in the, in the trial of those cases, is the fact pattern that we've seen in this case characteristic of most of them? Uh, the fact I mean, pattern in this defense case... Defense counsel strike all of one sex and the state's counsel strike all of the other sex. This is the first case that I have seen where that type of striking has been apparent. Uh, so this isn't necessarily... So this is not necessarily... It is certainly not something that has been uh, advised by the state. Uh, it was apparently this particular litigator's, uh, the two litigators' choices. Uh, that, that sort of undercuts the, the, um, the reason for your fear that um, if, if we, if we uh, decide in the petitioner's favor here that uh, your prosecution of these cases is going to be made unmanageable. The only thing that would make it unmanageable is that the if you reduced either side, it's not a question of whether there is all of one panel or all of another, or if all of the strikes are used, because uh, this court and the state's court, state courts have held that if even one strike appears to be based on gender or can show a prima facie case... If, if it appears to be, but I mean, isn't that the... Uh, doesn't doesn't that raise uh, a question about the nature of the prima facie case? As so, members, so many members of the court have pointed out, uh, you can't strike anybody without striking someone of one gender or another, and therefore you've got to have something more than that to make a prima facie case. You had a prima facie case. We, we are all agreed, I guess, here. 
but it doesn't follow that one strike of one person is going to uh, appear prima facie to be uh, motivated by gender, does it? No, not that one strike of one person would, but if you have six or eight strikes or, or five or nine strikes. And they're all of the same gender. They are one. And you can. You know, at what point would you uh, decide you've crossed the line if you're uh, using, say, two more strikes against one gender than the other? Uh, in Alabama, the state courts have held that if you reduce uh, a racial ratio in the venari significantly, uh, when, when reaching the petty jury, that that in itself can be a prima facie case. So that you're really in a position where you might have to have a proportional jury in order to vo avoid a Batson challenge, or you would have to be prepared to give a reason for each one of your strikes if you didn't have a proportional jury. May I ask you a question about your procedure in Alabama, this alternate striking? Uh, is, it, is it correct that... Uh, I gather a lot of these are peremptory strikes, but is it, all, it, it must be true also that you can have strikes for cause as you go down the line and not have those counted against you, is that right? Yes, Justice Stevens. In this case, there were 36 on the original panel. Three of them were struck for cause by I the see. court. And the person just doesn't lose, and then he gets another strike if the judge agrees with him on the strike for cause. Is That's it? right. That doesn't enter into it. The actual peremptory strikes begin after the removal of the people who are struck for cause. As, as, would you describe again what, what test uh, in, 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 in Batson cases uh, the Alabama courts are now, are now using? Because, I mean, it, it, it seems to me that one of the consequences of, of, of adopting uh, the rule that the petitioners want here it w would be to compel Alabama to be less, uh, less rigorous in its application of Batson. I'm not sure that we have required Alabama to apply such a, such a rigorous rule. What, what is the rule they, they now use? Uh, the proportion of uh, minorities to the majority race uh, on the venari uh, is considered as one of the elements. It's, it's not the only one. In individual cases, they might consider other matters. But there have been cases in which the very fact that either uh, more strikes were used against the minority than against the majority, or that the result was that, uh, for instance, if you had eight strikes and you used two of them against blacks, but there were only two blacks in the panel, uh, and so, or three blacks in the panel, so that you reduced the proportion considerably, that would be one of the things they would look at. In, in determining a prima facie case. That in itself could be considered a prima facie case. And one could hardly afford to apply that rigorous rule to another category of, of strikes, or at least another major one as sizable as uh, sex discrimination. I, I think that that is true. I think that, that there would have to be some other way to handle it, and I am not prepared to say what that could be as far as, as applying Batson. How, how that could be done. Now, there are other situations that uh, have been done. One, one thing I want to mention is that as well as the community at large not being harmed because men and women both sit on the juries and because these particular men and women did not feel excluded from the system 
because they probably sat on another jury during the same term of court uh, and because they were actually struck in fairly equal numbers. Uh, the fact is that under the facts of this case and the overwhelming evidence that was there, it is very hard to see how the defendant could be harmed because uh, I don't think he was found to be the father of his child because of a biased all-female jury. I think he was found to be the father of his child because of the overwhelming Just evidence that he gets. explain that the, um, one, one of the problems from your point of view is that the, the right is being asserted by the defendant, but the constitutional protection is afforded to the potential juror. So every time you're talking about, well, the defendant is, is or is not likely to be affected, it's the, it's the harm to the potential juror as a result of stereotyping because of one's birth status. That's the constitutional um, injury that, that's at stake here. Yes, Your Honor, I, I understand what you're saying, I think, but I, I feel that in this particular case, uh, in the first place, they are struck by number, and the jurors don't know what their number is. Uh, if one side is striking men and the other side is striking women and they are reduced in equal numbers, then uh, I do not see how they can be harmed by that, that knowledge. Uh, I think that part of our problem in Alabama may be contributed to by the fact that we use the uh, struck jury method, which gives us this basically unlimited number of strikes, limited only by the number that's on the panel to begin with. Uh, the state of Alabama Bar Association has already recognized that Alabama is having problems and is having too many appeals on this issue, and they have appointed a panel of uh, a committee of judges and lawyers to examine Alabama's jury system and see if, if going to a different or a revised peremptory strike method, such as is used in the federal courts or some other court, uh, might alleviate a lot of the problem. I think that uh, there are other states who don't seem to be having particular problems with Batson or with gender strikes and have been able to work this out. Uh, so if there is a constitutional injury and it's a problem of the mechanics of the state system that could be fixed. Then I think Alabama more. deserves an opportunity to try to fix that if, if that is what is happening. Well, certainly there would be an impetus to fix it if the court said that Batson applies to gender. I, I think there would be an impetus to uh, go to proportional juries or do away with the peremptory strike. I think it could come, become so complicated. I, that, I'm uh, sorry, I wasn't, perhaps I didn't understand you correctly. You said in places that have, don't have this struck jury system, like the federal courts, they weren't having the problems with implementing Batson either for sex or for race the way Alabama is because it's got this unusual struck juror system. Oh. So that, that if, you, if you fixed the, the way you're, you strike jurors, then you might not have any difficulty administering Batson for race or for sex. 
But I thought that's what you had said. Uh, yes, that is what I said, but I, I do think that because it is already the, the problem of gender strikes in Alabama is not a pervasive problem, that the state should have the opportunity to try to correct it on its own. And uh, Mr. Treven seems to think that there is a problem in the federal system also. Uh, if that is true, I think that this court's supervisory powers would, would allow this court to cure that system without uh, reaching the states in their level. Uh, I think that applying Batson to gender in the situation that Alabama has at this point uh, would cause great slowdown of the cases moving through the courts and, and would raise more problems than it could possibly cure. If there are no further questions. Thank you, Ms. Brasfield. The case is submitted.